um, one of my, well, one of my favorite quotes is by um, Dr. Clarissa Estes. She's the author of Women Who Runs, Run With the Wolf. Um, mm -hmm. Her quote is, a culture that requires harm to one's soul in order to follow the culture's prescriptions is a very sick culture indeed. This culture can be the one a woman lives in, but more damning yet, it can be the one she carries around and complies with within her own mind. And That's I feel, powerful. Yes. For many of us, man or woman, there's things, uh, even laws we have to follow, even court um, orders that we follow that are wrong and they harm our soul. Yeah, uh, I, um, well, I guess well, since you brought up the court orders, I, I think, uh, yeah, from my work as a, as a psychotherapist, I think uh, yeah, a lot of those court orders that are, are sort of they're, they maybe the in, in one at one time they're sort of well intentioned to help people, but I, I find that they often always do more harm than good, and this. Uh, um, yeah, maybe you want to speak to that a little bit, the way you meant by the, the, regarding the court order, since you brought that up. Well, I may just bring up um, just my past. Uh, there's several layers of traumas from childhood okay. to even present, and I, I want to just admit that when I was writing my book initially in um, 2000, well, 1998, I actually began writing my life story after I lost custody of my eight children, including my nursing infant. Um, I sought safety from my abuser in um, 1996 and was living in hiding, um, even with the judge's permission, due to doctors and friends and neighbors um, going before the court, uh, filing affidavits on my behalf for my safety. And I lived in hiding and safety. And uh, I was a good nurturing mother for nearly 20 years, 24-7, but I lost custody to my abuser, and I obeyed the court order, but later went into shock and collapsed, and it's probably a shock I'll never recover from. I, uh, these days, it's epidemic for women seeking safety from their abusers to lose custody of their children in family court, and uh, tens of thousands of us have experienced this, and it's a psychic shock that you never recover yeah. from. It's inconsolable grief, but I obeyed the court order. I knew my choice was to be put in jail or obey. And uh, it's been a journey since then of survival. And um, I've been legally stalked for nearly 20 years and uh, been in court for about 45 court hearings. So often our abusers, they don't murder us. They'll just slowly kill us through the court system, and it, mm -hmm. it does impoverish us. It emotionally and financially, physically drains us. But, yeah. Um, that's what Dr. Clarissa Estes um, quote means to me, too, is, is this: we live in a society that's accepting this, and yet many mothers, it, it's it's uh, just incredibly, incredibly painful. And yeah, I, I mean, I... Yes, I was just going to share my past while I was writing my book. I left out the first chapter of my right. story as a child. It was very horrific, and my mentors and counselors and friends said, Coral, nobody will understand why you were even married to a person like you were, an abuser, if they don't understand where you began, right. the family and the home of where you came from. So 
for me, I just thought, well, I'm not going to put that part in there. It was really horrific, and parts of me wasn't even talking about it yet. Um, but I did, and I did include that chapter in my book, and that's what brings me even to this day of why I've even lived the trauma that I did as a young adult. But uh, the beginning of my life started um, as a young child. I was put in the bedroom of my great-uncle who had just um, been released from prison, only serving a couple years for murdering his 16-year-old daughter. He literally shot her in the head, and it was witnessed by um, the mother and the girl's sisters and the daughter's boyfriend. And he also had sexually molested all his daughters, but he only spent a few years in prison and then lived in our home. And my mother, who was not... Um, she was a very cruel person. She uh, put me in his room for years, and uh, that was the beginning of my life. I became an adult at a very young age and uh, shattered my identity uh, as a young children. Yes, that's when our identity is being formed, but uh, definitely shattered me. And uh, it's been a lifelong process of healing from that. And I find as we journey through life, um, even as a young adult, my ex-husband, um, a predator, found me. And when we do not have our lamb legs yet or haven't haven't um, been able to get help or have good role models around us, um, we have a red X on our forehead. And uh, predators see it. And right. we basically are voiceless. We, we do not know a lot about our own identity. We are fearful of our, our perpetrators, abusers. Um, often we have Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. And what I'm going to share, too, is um, often we can appear to be very intelligent. Uh, I was a straight-A student, co valedictorian of my class, high school class. I was a um, pilot at 17 years old. I was a court reporter at 19 years old. But inside, I was shattered. Mm -hmm. And so then I went through a 20-year marriage of incredible abuse and torture. I was um, dragged and forced through eight very um, extreme, fundamental, legalistic, uh, Christian-type cults, yeah. and uh, escaped. I was often hunted down, uh, if you can believe that, in America. you can't. I didn't have uh, freedom of religion in my own home. I just did not want to be around that extreme type of abuse and oppression, and yet I did not have a right to even leave. Um, I did have 11 pregnancies and three miscarriages. I was forced to home, home birth babies and... Um, homeschool, that was home church, I became very isolated. But uh, that was some of the beginning of my life that brought me to, um, eventually, many of us, thankfully, we wake up our souls. We uh, come to a point where we uh, respect our souls and we will no longer allow someone to disrespect us, to harm our soul. And I think in that, uh, we, we choose safety, and choosing safety, many of us will lose everything, our families, our friends, um, financial well-being, our ability to get jobs, many of us become homeless, and we will lose our children. So many women have written me through the years that they've read my memoir, and they've chosen to stay in abuse. I even wrote um, the governor of Oregon, this fact, and I met with U.S. Um, Senator Jeff Merkley in July of uh, 2014, I gave him a 20-page document for their request. Um, his uh, assistant, Mr. Joel Corcoran, had read my website and articles studied. So 
my documentation and asked me, they were just shocked that this was going on and asked me to document the 20 years of court abuse. So I did, and I did meet uh, U.S. Senator Jeff Merkley. And she I've was, heard uh, his name before. I'm not yes, sure why. Yes. Yes, so I, uh, as needed, and so I was going to say regarding this, uh, I don't know if you saw this recently, that they just passed uh, uh, in Oregon some trauma-informed legislation. Did you or you uh, yes, come across yes. that? Yes, yeah. I've been following that, and I've actually called um, Representative Williamson, um, and and I wrote to them and gave them my story because it was um, pertinent to what they had just passed. Yes, it's been for Representative Genesis. Jennifer Williamson, so I'm in contact with them. Um, it was an Oregon rape law. But I have found even in my own case that, um, and this is what is most difficult for victims and survivors, that we can report crimes, we can give voice to the violence, we can um, do all we can to, to seek in seeking justice, but most often we are dismissed. And even though the crimes are real, the crimes are documented, we are dismissed. And often they have laws to protect us. There's um, marital rape laws since 1993. And sadly, in my marriage, I hit a brick wall in 1993 at a home birth. I hemorrhaged, was not allowed, allowed medical care. And uh, six months later, I came to that place no one wants to go. I completely collapsed. There was just no more of me. And I think the masks were falling off. I could no longer pretend. I'd had sleep, sleep deprivation for years and been in cults and just very little contact with the outside world. And I um, had probably uh, the postpartum depression and just exhaustion and a partial stroke. But during that time, I was beaten and raped repeatedly. Partial stroke, you said? Just a collapse in, in all the above. And I wasn't able to eat and feed myself, care for myself, or care for my children. So I was out of the home living with friends and my brother during that time just attempting to heal. And I was not allowed medical care. I was beaten by my ex-husband, raped at a time I could not I could not dress myself, shower, eat, sleep. I was very, very ill. And uh, I, I'm not ashamed at that time. I think anybody living my life for those 38 years up to then would eventually have collapsed. I, I'm just surprised I lasted that long. But my collapse was my reset button. And during that time, I you know I didn't really get any counseling or help. But I I did meet one woman who um, talked to me and said, if you don't begin to call what's happened to you abuse, you will never, never be well. And it... Uh, where, 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 did that, where did you meet that in Oregon, she was a former neighbor of mine. But there was many people who very uh, much understood I was being abused. They just, uh, a lot of people had a hard time, uh, difficult time really having connection with me because of my ex-husband's control of my life. And often I was left at cult centers, uh, Bill Gothard Institute in Chicago for them to exercise. Bill Gothard, was he? I forget the yes. name of the group. It's not, yes. Is that part of that group that... Um, I've seen this group that it sounds like this. I forget the name of them. They're like the Jesus people. And they had like hippie, like like uh, like no, uh, tie dyed looking vans and stuff. If you know no, he um, he ran seminars for many decades. Uh, Bill Gothard Institute youth seminars, and they okay. were very um, well attended throughout the years. He had an institute in Chicago, but 
there's been many crimes. Um, girls were raped, um, molested by his brother. Mm -hmm. um, Bill Gothard's had to recently step down for other um, issues also. And I was left there as somewhat of a prisoner, and they believed that um, no Christian can have a breakdown, that I needed exercise for demons and being punished because I hadn't learned how to submit enough. So um, I mainly had lived a lot like uh, the Duggards, uh, lifestyle, uh, the quiverful movement, and adhering to a lot of Bill Gothard ideology and extreme legalism in the Christian uh, faith, and it uh, was very oppressive. And so, um, one of the things that you touched on earlier in our conversation, I'd like to highlight, which I think is a good point that I feel strongly about. It's I think one of the reasons people feel ex experiencing so much trauma these days is the uh, uh, and also in our different you know systems and educational systems, medical systems that the whole the whole culture of patriarchy um, Very much so. is so uh, influential. And I was wondering, yeah, what your thoughts are on this this whole uh, the culture of patriarchy. Well, what's your experience of it and uh, of that? For me, I've, I've stepped aside totally from patriarchy. It, it's what I believe um, broke my own mind and body down. Um, mm -hmm. And I believe just our church system, whether it be Catholic, Christian, any forms of patriarchy, is oppressive to yeah. women and children. One of my favorite books was written over 100 years ago by Matilda Jocelyn Gage, G-A-G-E. That's mm -hmm. her last name. Um, she wrote the book Women, Church, and State, profound book uh, just exposing the church's role in the oppression of women and children throughout the centuries. And that was one of the most eye-opening books I read that was part of my journey back to whole, wholeness and self after many decades of being oppressed and abused under Christianity and patriarchy. Um, so I've I've read a lot. Uh, another book I admire is uh, Shattered Scriptures by Linda Patterson. She's an attorney in San Diego. Another one of my favorite authors is Valerie Terrico. She writes for Alternate, and often her articles are published in Salon. Um, but she uh, writes a lot about the dangers of patriarchy. I have a website under um, coralonicateal.com. That's C-O-R-A-L-A-N-I-K-A-T-H-E-I-L-L dot com. Yeah, I'll put that on my, uh, when I yes. post this, I'll put the link Thank on. you. But people can read my memoir um, for free from my website, and there's also a link called Spiritual Abuse, which I post other links um, from other authors, too, that can anybody exploring um, just the dangers of patriarchy can read. Uh, but I would also add that you said women and children, but I think patriarchy is also very Oh, men, too. It's always very oh, dangerous to men as well. Very much so. I feel um, even an interview I had with the Pixel Project um, a couple years ago, I shared that what is needed is for young boys and young men to, you know, have new role models and a new idea of what masculinity right. is really is so that they can take those new ideas and attitudes and behaviors um, and respect of their self and others and translate them into their community if, with a new type of leadership. And that will end uh, violence and then yeah. build new safe communities. And mm -hmm. so I do mention the women and children just because we often yeah. see the end of the physical abuse. 
Um, but the men um, have been taught uh, just wrong ideology about what true masculinity is through right. the patriarchal system. So, yes, I write a lot about that in a very gracious manner in my book. And uh, But I have a lot of my health issues and um, life abuse was due to patriarchy. And, uh, and one of the things I've observed, too, is that, that uh, related to the whole patriarchy thing is that you know, women now are there are more women in the workforce, but I think it's also been the model of, for women to get ahead. They have to uh, sort of um, assume more that dominant kind of patriarchal uh, posture as well. And women uh, in the workplace, I think, often can uh, um, adopt that role in, in order to be successful. Yes. And even the women judges in our family courts, um, right. all women would agree with me that's gone through what I have in family court and losing our children and being harmed and further punished because we sought safety. The women judges are even more punishing than the men judges. Right. And uh, that is something we all agree to. Um, I feel, too, that our patriarchal religious organizations, that they teach shame, fear, and guilt. And uh, that that is definitely not um, good energies to be taught or lived out that... Uh, you know, to have to live that out in our homes, and I believe our courts are an extension of our patriarchal heritage. Oh, absolutely! Our courts, our courts view women as less valuable than men, and I believe as long as we continue to condone those in power um, who harm and victimize innocent people, then we will continue the witness and witness injustices against those who are vulnerable and unable to protect and defend themselves. Yeah, what, what I was going to say is, um, I uh, I was in the um, a week or so ago. I went over to this to meet with this judge who uh, created this mental health court in uh, in Broward County uh, in Fort Lauderdale, and uh, she you know she talks about that she has a trauma informed uh, court that she's created there. But I won't really go into that too much. But but just walking around the courthouse. I, I observe, like the particularly the women attorneys, the, the looks on their faces, and they just they just had this look like the. I don't know if you've heard if you've heard the term "bitch face." Have you familiar with that term? Yes, I am. And then they were just walking around, all of them, like they had this that nasty face on, and they and it just looked like they were ready to just they just like the, that the look of hate, and it's just like I just really felt bad see, seeing that you know that people are. You know, there are other people that are, you know, going into court. They could be losing their kids or getting divorces, and they have to uh, inter, uh, deal with such a um, patriarchal, nasty system. It's just it's sad. It is. I, I found court was just as abusive as my home life, um, the abusive home life that I was escaping. And even the judge, um, Judge Alba Norblad in Salem, Oregon, laughed about the rapes I had suffered. Um, the sexual molestation I had suffered mm-hmm. as a child was ridiculed about. My breakdown stroke I was ridiculed for. Um, it was a horrendous experience. And I've been in court for nearly 20 years now and 45 court hearings. My yeah. depositions, there was 45 hours of depositions ongoing with a video camera in front of my face just ridiculing me yeah. um, and uh, harassing, bullying. It had nothing to do with me as a nurturing mother. So... It's a form of hell going into a courtroom for children and protective moms. And um, I find, uh, though, that I, I, you know, just 
part of this program, I know, is to talk about, you know, healing and surviving. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I, I will share that uh, just for all the mothers, protective mothers out there that have lost their children, there really is no healing in that. We will survive. We can survive. We can find good coping tools, which I'll speak about maybe later too, but um, healing, no. There's other forms of abuse that I find we can grow into and heal, but uh, losing custody and all contact with our children and even knowing they're being further abused, there is no healing in that. Um, but I, I did write um, in my memoir, I, I said that if you think of yourself as a victim and you are unable to move past this view, you won't recover if you see the violence only as a horrible event that happened to you and not allow it to prevent you from redefining your experience with a new spiritual outlook, you will recover. And I I believe that with or without justice. So many of us will never, never see justice. And, you know, even in my 20 years of seeking justice, I've had to accept that fact. What, what, and, what about um, trying to, uh, you know, um, fight for justice for others? Oh, I do that, and just writing books and articles and, right. you know, um, talking to other um, victims, we can do that. Uh, but I I find just giving voice to our violence, um, talking about it, that's what changes it. When we stay, you know, when we're um, voiceless, that definitely isn't going to move or shift, you know, our society. But it, uh, we often... Most victims will have to recover without the conscience of their communities, cultures, or countries validating their story and without justice and without restitution. And I believe, though, in seeking justice and that if we don't seek it, we're victimized twice. That's that's a choice each victim survivor needs to make, but I've at least sought justice. Well, well but let me ask you, let me ask you this. Um, you know, one of the things... Um, I believe, and there's always sort of abuse done that there. That there's always, I'm sure that you resisted it when it was happening to a certain degree, and and there's always also this concept, which I think is true. And there's abuses occurring. There's always a bunch of for it to occur. There's also a lot of other people that are are witnessing it, but are allowing it to go on. And I was wondering if That's you could speak true. to that. Well, even in my childhood, my mother and father, grandparents all knew of my great uncle's um, criminal history, and I begged them. It was mostly my mother and grandparents. My father was in the Air Force and gone most of the time, but he knew of my great uncle's record, and yet nobody protected me. Our parents, our family, they are our protectors when we're young, but I begged them. I begged them every night not to put me in his room, and yet I had no rights, and so There was something very damaging about that in my life. And even as I was um, a young adult and married, I'd go seek help from a pastor or a priest or a counselor, and nobody would help me and nobody would validate me. Uh, Even in Corvallis, Oregon, where I lived, many of the cult groups were very connected to the counselors. And um, when I left some of the cults, I was shunned. I was shunned in the community. And I write about shunning, that it's really a um, cruel form of ridicule but uh, I, yes, I find throughout um, my life uh, many people have supported my abusers. There's an excellent article called Are You a Flying Monkey for a Narcissist or Are You Being Used as a Flying Monkey for a Narcissist? It's one of the most excellent articles about people who um, 
your abuser doesn't necessarily have to be abusing you personally. They can create a huge group in the society that they've lied to, and uh, that group uh, helps them and targets you. Um, just for an example, I have a son-in-law. His name's Jesse White. He's never met me. Um, he's written many comments and ongoing comments on newspaper articles about my life story, telling editors and publishers that it's all a lie, that he's a supporter of other victims of domestic violence, but this never happened to me. And he came into our family life, you know, even 20, 30 years after, you know, a lot of the abuse had occurred, 10 years or more after I had left and sought safety, was living under an address protection program. Um, but he, he married one of my eldest daughters, Rachel, and... Uh, he is uh, what is called a flying monkey. He, you know, writes comments. He um, promotes, you know, lies about me in the community. And I published his comments in my memoir, and many people responded to him, women who had been abused by my ex-husband in the workplace and other people who had known about the abuse. But anyway, there's people like that that um, they will literally call you a liar, even though they're, they've maybe never read the documentation. They've never spoke to you. They've never met you. Right, would you say it's many, just many of us victims. I, I, I've seen you write about it. Would you say that's sort of a part of the whole gaslighting? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, which is a term I like. Uh, so there's many people our abusers um, use to help uh, do what they did to us in the home, and I find that has been a very successful way for them. And um, I really appreciate Judith Herman's quotes about abuse too. She says that the perpetrator. He asks the community to do nothing. Often, that's all he asks. But a victim, a victim will need help. Right. And uh, so often, it's just easier for the community to to side with the perpetrator. Basically, people do nothing, and uh, or they become one of his helpers. Right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting so, uh, social psychology research about how those uh, group dynamics. Uh, behave the way they do yes. in, in those types of uh, situations. And, and bullying, yes. But I find that is an incredible part of my own um, history is that I have a lot of people that's never met me. There's even pastors and pastors' wives who um, work for ministries. Um, they've called me. They've abused me on the phone, bullied me, told me I was going to hell. They've never met me. I mean, they don't know my history. They just believed everything my ex-husband has said. And these are people who work with children and troubled youth in Christian ministries in yeah. Monmouth, Oregon, and Salem, Oregon. And I've even called their ministries to give them a copy of my book, and they don't care. All Christian ministries that I've called about my own life story, there were um, crimes of abuse and sexual molestation in our home. Did, did you ever, um, uh, you ever, are you familiar with the movie Paper Tigers by any chance? Oh, I haven't watched that yet. You heard of it, though? I may have heard of the name, yes. Well, it's a great film. I just thought of it because it takes place kind of in that area. It takes place in Walla Walla, Washington at the school, oh, yes. Lincoln High School, which was the the first trauma, which they call it, referred to as a trauma-informed high school. And I did a movie screening of it, and it was actually produced by Robert Redford's son, James Redford. It's a wonderful wow. film about how, how um, yeah, basically how the, this one community there was responding to trauma and more of a, uh, you know, a um, 
sensitive, informed by like uh, informed by understanding how trauma affects the brain and learning, and it's just really, really nice, uh, beautiful film. Well, as you'd asked me also about patriarchy, what I find yeah. um, in our communities and even in my own story, there were pastors who were hiding the crimes in our home and threatening me that I could not report them to the police. And these pastors, one is Pastor Bill Hurd of Roseburg, Oregon. He's not only traumatized and bullied me, but he's bullied many, many other women um, throughout the decades. I I hear from them even to this day. And and there's no accountability. There's no accountability. Even this is against the law, pastors, teachers, parents are supposed to uh, report crimes. There's just no accountability in these churches. They can do what they want. They can go to court hearings and and lie and um, harm you, and uh, I find that the church has done more harm to me than any other group, and they have helped perpetuate the abuse in our home, but I also, um, you were speaking about movies, Casualties of War is one of my favorite movies starring Michael Fox and Sean Penn, but the theme of that movie was that there was a young um, American soldiers invades a Vietnam Vietnamese village and they capture a young woman and they gang rape her and force her to march with them on their patrolling. When they were finished with her, they shot her and threw her over an embankment. And that's often the analogy I feel about women seeking safety. It's just more horror when we go to the courts for help. Often more horror within the advocacy realm. Even safe homes often are not helpful. Um, I have contacted hundreds of groups all the way to Washington, D.C. in the last 20 years, and not one of them have helped. And some have been further abusive. And some have re-victimized me. Um, Even the Veterans Administration, I reported the person that they had hired for many years, um, who was one of their unlicensed PTSD therapists. That was a person who had attempted to murder me and broke into my apartment and beat and strangled me to an inch of my life 15 years ago and robbed me and stalked and threatened my life. And he was able to work for them for another, you know, 15 years, even though I had sent them all the police reports, the restraining orders, the evidence, and they told me they didn't care what he had done to me and that he was a help to wounded warriors, even though I know he wasn't safe for men or women, wounded warriors. But it took 15 years to finally um, seek his um, banning of being hired. But I was re-victimized by many of his friends in the VA. So it's a huge cost when victims raise their voice, when victims um, share what really has happened. And often society fails us. 